0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three, Two, One, No Kid Bobby the Awesome here, and today I am joined by Ms. Ruth Hafsebian. Very good, Hafsebian. Yes, Hafsebian. Okay, practice. What what um, origination does that come from? Do you mind me asking? Uh
1: yes, of course. Where I'm Armenian heritage. Okay, beautiful. And you, just just think of the Kardashians. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> All
0: right, <laughs> there you go. I got it. Thank you. Well, welcome to the show. Um, I got distracted by language. <laughs> so why don't you introduce yourself to my audience? Um, I'm I'm tickled that you're here and, and excited to learn from you today. Well,
1: as you said, I'm Ruth Hofsepion, and I actually live and born and raised in Montreal, Quebec, and Canada. And I am here today because I want to talk about a subject that is One we don't talk about very often or hear about very often, and that is women and the addiction to sex and porn.
0: Mm. You know, I started my show because I felt the same way about gambling addiction, Mm. but but this topic is even that it's not, it's embedded into society, but not quite the way gambling is. So I feel like there's a lot more, um, shame and stigma and all the things around it, um, and being a female, I just can't even imagine what that journey is so um, your background's very interesting so if you want to start like take us back
1: as far as you think you want to. well I I was raised in a very conservative and very uh, faith-based family you know we were we were churchgoers we had all of that going and I had uh, made a decision and you know I was following Christ. And not here to, to convert anyone, but just to let you know where I was coming from. So very conservative, a very strict family upbringing. But in my preteens, I came across porn and it was something that stayed with me. And it wasn't an addiction at that point, but it stayed with me. I, looking back now, I see it affecting Certain reactions and certain things that I did in my teens and then in my twenties before I got married—nothing risky, nothing fancy. Just I was attracted to it, and it—it it had a draw to me. And you know, fast forward, was married. We have the seven-year itch. I can joke about it after twenty-six years, <laughs> <laughs> but but it was sort of the seven-year itch kind of deal. We we got separated. And I, at that time, had really no self-worth. It w- it had been a very difficult time for me. And I piled on weight like nobody's business. I literally would make pots of pasta, put in the butter and the cheese, and eat it after the kids were in bed. So I had three kids, all under the age of five at the time or six at the time. And that became my MO. You know, every night the kids would go to bed and I'd make myself either a pan of French fries or make some pasta. And I piled on the weight to the point you couldn't, I couldn't tell how much I weighed anymore because it was the old fashioned uh, scale, which kind of went to zero. (laughs) Then I had to calculate and the math was too high at that point. But I, I guesstimate that I probably weighed in at about I don't know, three hundred and twenty at my heaviest, maybe. And then I something snapped, something literally snapped in my brain, and I've I lost the weight about I don't know, hundred and plus, you know, way down, you know, into the one, eighties or something. But that was also the beginning of the end, so to speak, because all of a sudden I felt good about myself. I started to get compliments. And one day out of the blue, I got dressed, walked out of the house. And now in Montreal, for anyone that knows, Montreal has an amazing night scene. And you go out, lots of clubs, lots of bars, lots of things to do. And I had never, ever been part of this. I'd never been to a bar. I'd never been into a club again. Remember, I was brought up in a very Christian conservative home. I was a great teenager, never, never went against what my parents said, but something after my divorce snapped inside of me. And in my mid thirties, I went into a bar all alone. Now it was seven o'clock or so. So there weren't too many people there yet, but I sat at the bar, ordered my first drink. And that was the first of many nights like that. And Alcohol was not what I was addicted to. Alcohol became the way to desensitize and get rid of the inhibitions that I had. And the little voice in me that said, Ruth, don't do it. And that's what I used alcohol for because I never drank on my own. I didn't need it to have a good time. It was just a desensitizer. And I started to literally act out and I would, um I would, I'll, you know, get picked up or I would do the picking up. Um, And it became a game for me. And, you know, porn, part of that was when you watch porn, your expectations and your, your, the way you process sex becomes very different. You no longer have the same, Thought p- patterns that most people have about sex. Women are very emotional. And when they have sex, there's an attachment to their partner. I had, I was desensitizing that. So, you know, this, this isn't about, you know, notches in the belt, but it became a game for me. How many, you know, people I could be with. And, and it was a matter of self-esteem, you know, like I felt, look, they want to be with me. Look at me, look what I can do. Mm. And it was a game, you know, it was that game, you know, we think of men doing that, you know, going out there and having the white one night stand. Well, I think I was trying to prove something to, I don't know who at that point. And, you know, it, it, it it's like I compare it to being an addict to, um to drugs because your first hit, you don't need very much to get high. And subsequently you need more and more to get that same feeling. And I've never done drugs. I am very thankful. And I thank God every day that that wasn't my thing because the, you know, the, that grouping of things, right? Drugs and sex would have been even worse of a disaster than my life had become at at a certain point. So that's how it started very, you know, sort of innocently walking into a bar and, and picking someone up and having a one night stand and repeat, you know, sort of You know, that, what was that saying? Rinse and repeat or repeat and rinse. And that's what I was doing. And it became more and more and more that I needed. And it really was a drug. And I, I found myself taking chances that when I look back now, just send shivers down my back because, you know, we, we read about, things that happen, women that are found in statistics. And I think about it and I could have been one of those statistics and those numbers, um, so, you know, woman, woman found in hotel room and the, the stories. And, you know, I, I'm not talking about this because I want to be a freak show or be part of a voyeur, you know, voyeuristic kind of a situation, but it's really to bring, a light and shine a light to the fact that women are dealing with this every day, whether it's just sex, because, you know, it's it's not necessarily both going hand in hand. But more often than not, if you are addicted to sex, you have a porn issue as well. It just feeds into itself. You know, you you just it, it's a, it's something that happens in your mind. It's a mental click that happens and you're off and you're going
0: I have a big list of questions headed your way go for it (laughs) Um, so my notes the alcohol as a desensitizer I found that Mm. very interesting I always called it coping in my world Mm. but I can relate to that like I actually can deliberately relate to that Um, See, I don't have the level of
1: comfort to talk about this. So this is pushing my. I, yeah. Little. Well, um, let, let me, t- let me tell you something. It's not easy for me. I joke about it because that's how I can deal with it. The shame of it is great. When I came out to my family about two years ago, it wasn't by choice necessarily i had written a book and part of it was a memoir of my in my book not all it wasn't a tell all book but i had to tell part of my story to get across my point yeah. you know imagine going to your parents and saying okay you have to read this but read it with an open mind and a loving heart my kids did not know the extent of my acting out. They knew I was going out. They knew that I was the, as they, they like to joke about it. Now, mom was a party girl in her day. But let me tell you, it's, it's a hard one, right? Because how, how, how are people looking at me now? What are they thinking? How are my, how is my church family looking at me today? Are they afraid to leave their husbands with me to listen? These are thoughts that go through your your mind all the time. And I'm very cognizant of it. And I am very careful about how I behave and I approach certain people and things. I never want anyone to doubt my sincerity of my friendship or that I am not who I was you know, back then. And just to let your audience know, I am eight years sober. Um I, you know, I, I don't drink by choice, not because I can't at my actually, at my son's wedding, I had a drink. <laughs> and, and it was only because I just wanted to have one. It's not because I need one. And it's not because I've, you know, like cut myself off. It's just, it's not who I am anymore. Mm. And the same thing with the sex and the porn, you know, it wasn't an easy journey, but you know, I'm, I'm very glad to, that I can say, you know, eight years sober in my journey.
0: So just to clarify, you're saying sober, you're talking about refraining from porn and sex addiction sober.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I'm not sure everybody would have caught that. So I needed to just make that. Yes. Distinction. So congratulations, course. by the way, Thank I don't want to just glaze over that. That's very incredible. Um, Okay, so back to what I was trying to chicken out of saying, but I, <laughs> I get it and I appreciate you yes. letting me escape it. Um, I have not had relations with a new partner since I quit drinking because I'm a little chicken mm. with that sensitive
1: stuff. Well, and, and it- I'm with you. I am with you. Uh, that was a choice that I made. That was a decision that I made. I respect myself too much right now, and I do not want to have those one-of situations. And unless I am in a long-term monogamous relationship, I do not want to have those sexual partners. I've done it. I've been there. Let me tell you, there's nothing great about it. It, it, it's, there's nothing great about it except society tells us women have control over their bodies. Yeah. Okay. But, but what happens to your soul after that? You know, what happens? You know, I, I've told my children this and this comes from experience. When I say it, every partner you're with, you leave a piece of yourself with that person emotionally your heart your mind to get that back is hard it's taken me a long time to get to where i am you know if i'm if one day i meet someone listen i'm almost 58 years old <laughs> am i going to have a, am i going to get married one day i don't know i love my life the way it is i've not i've not said you know no i'm not going to but if i do meet the right person i want to give that person a whole roof, not bits and pieces. We have a lot of baggage, don't we, as addicts? We have a lot of triggers. Is that fair to the person I'm going to be with? Therefore, I very consciously have made a decision. I'm done until I am given an opportunity to be with someone I am in love with and will spend the rest of my life with. Am I... You know, <laughs> dreaming in technicolor, so be it, it yeah. it's a coping mechanism
0: well, that was another thing that i I wrote down and i i like I like your philosophy on that, by the way. um, it's a great way to look at it. It's very objective because here's what's tricky. I could go through life and never gamble again and be okay and fulfilled right but our Um, bodies were actually created for sex right 100 percent the way you are clarifying the distinction between a sex addict and um loving consenting beautiful sex, and and the way it's supposed to be done um just like food you mentioned food right like A food addict, well, a sugar addict can live without sugar, but a food addict um, or someone with an eating disorder, it's so tricky, right? Like I'm, I'm around counselors and people where there's a language and I don't want to be offensive, but I also just (laughs) be me. So um, I'm sorry. I'm not trying
1: to offend anyone. It's just culture. It it (laughs) is. Look, it is what it is. Okay. Look, let's, let's just be honest about this. Okay. It's to, to walk away from an addiction like sex and porn is very difficult. If you look at the statistics of people who can, um, recover or be sober from alcohol and drugs and even gambling, you, you distance yourself from it, as you said, right? You walk away from the situation. You don't put yourself in that situation. Okay. What about sex? We are inundated with sex 24-7, whether it's a magazine, a book, a movie, news, uh, clothing, music, name it, right? Yes. It, it's sexually centered. That's who we are. As a believer, as a Christian, as a woman of faith, sex i believe was given for our pleasure why else would we have been created with all those you know those fibers those sensations that we have right from kissing your lips have how many you know feeling points your thing everything right we were made to be sexual beings in the right context in the right at the right time with the right person. And I, as someone who has been there, done that. And let me tell you, there's nothing I haven't seen or experienced that I would be shocked if someone told me, you know, something else. And this isn't to boast. It's just to say, I've been there. I understand it. But did it make me happy? Heck no. I needed a, a bigger dose of that, a bigger hit to feel that high, that euphoria. Yeah. It's it's the similarities
0: and the differences across addictions is so intriguing to me. Mm. And and you you make a point. And when I first quit gambling, I had one mindset and, and luckily the podcast has given me the gift of a lot of perception, like perspectives Mm -hmm. and information and where I've come to land is we're never going to be healed. Like until we do the healing, right? Like we're going to always have the addictive, whatever, because it's not whole or we're not healed or we're not whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is. I don't think it's just about triggers anymore. I used to like like in, yeah. in twelve step. Don't go near the people, places, and things. Which is which is part of why I I'm trying to create a place that doesn't have all the things. Mm-hmm. Um but I also I don't want the person who used to drink to not be able to be on a pool league because, mm-hmm. because it involves walking in a bar. Or I I yeah. should be able to pump gas without waiting for scratch yes. the lottery and right. So it's around us. So instead yes. of like, what, like just being like, Oh my God, it's all around me. And like, that almost becomes its own torture. It, it's almost inevitable. Like why not go mm-hmm. back to use because it's easier than always living, like living in fight or flight. So now my belief is we have to go backwards. We have to go backwards, clean up the shit house clean. Cause like in gamblers, anonymous literature, it says um, is knowing why we gambled important. And in the literature, mm-hmm. it says no. I kind of think it is now because I can walk into a casino and have, you know, dinner and it, I I just went to an event in yep. Vegas and had to be around it. And I felt my body's reaction. Like I was very aware, and, mm-hmm. but I didn't need it to cope with the stress or the, the thing because I'm doing the work now. Granted the work's never done. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what keeps us safe. So a couple things about, you know, the, the coping and then the food, the sex, these, these Mm -hmm. things, did you find that you were using them to cope or to run away with something? Like, was it because of the looming divorce
1: or because of stressors in your life? Like, Mm, I think, I think I just felt I wasn't good enough. And I was out to prove to me, it was a high of this man liked me. Mm. It didn't mm. matter who he was. <laughs> mm. You know, the, we had a joke going that when you walked into a bar, nobody was good looking. You had a drink. Everybody. Oh, the guy in the corner got better looking. Two hours into drinking, every single person in the bar was good looking all of a sudden, right? You your Your, your sense of, you know, whatever, disappears with it. And really, and truly, it was, I looking back at it, at that time, I, I really didn't know what it was. I was looking for someone in my life. That's what I would say, which was a lie. Because if I was, I wouldn't be, I I wouldn't be ruining every relationship that I was getting into. Because any man that thought I was worth having a relationship with maybe six months into it, I would try, well, I did it well enough because nobody stayed with me was I would start, you know, pushing the buttons, saying things, messing around because I didn't think I was worthy enough to be in that kind of a relationship. And it wasn't because they were not good men it was just i did not think i was worthy enough to be with these men because they were great guys i got proposed to enough times i could be married i don't know how many times <laughs> but 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 again i didn't think i was worthy that was the problem I thought I had to do these things, first of all, to prove I was cool and hip and I was worth being with. And the moment the guy wanted to be with me, I wanted to destroy it because I, I did not feel good about myself. So I think we need to start working from the inside out. You're, you know, what is, what would have, look, I would never have been happy if I had continued. And I would never have been happy to have become sober in the sense, leaving that kind of a sex life or and porn if I didn't do any work on myself. My redemption, my transformation came because I went back to my faith. Not everybody will agree with that, but for me, that is my story. I went back to my faith, what I knew would save me, and it did. And it wasn't easy. I'm not gonna lie to anyone. You know, I would be, I would be clean and sober for I don't know a month or two, and then all of a sudden I'd fall again. But I, I was in the mindset that this was not for me anymore. So I pick myself up, brush off that, and say, okay, God, I, I need, I need this for myself. I need to do this. And, and I took one step at a time. And I found that for what worked for me was instead of focusing on all of the world's crap was I started to focus on God and I spent time in prayer. Let me tell you, when you've lived a life like mine, prayer is very hard because it's like meditation. You stop, things are quiet, and the thoughts and the images come to the front of your mind. So how do you pray? So you're praying to this holy person, to to a holy God, and yet your mind is is filled with this this smut. How, right? Right? How do you do that? That's why I say it was very difficult for me. I do not say this lightly when I say it. That prayer saved me because that was my journey. I had to do it. And eight years later, I'm in a good place. My triggers are not the same anymore. It happens sometimes. I hear a song and, and images flood back. I smell something, even a man's fragrance. Yep. And images will come in because we are we're built that way, right? Well, that's who we are. That's what we're made of. Yeah. I, it, when you're talking about
0: porn, I, I'm going. My notes yep. are like you said so many things that were amazing. Um, I was comparing it in my head to zoning out, almost like mm-hmm. when I'm in front of a slot machine. It's not really about what's happening in the right. slot machine. Um, it's about the fact that I don't have to know about what anything else right. is going on in my world, my feelings, my any of that. Yeah, is that what porn gave to you?
1: Like, was it an escape?
0: I don't. It was. Don't yeah, much in, about in in it. a way,
1: yeah, in a way, it was. Uh, porn made me sound also very cool. You know, I could say to a guy, "Hey, I'm into porn. Mm. Oh, you're so cool. You're so this. You're so that." But, but I, what, what I also found with that, yes, porn was also a high because I'll tell you why. Because the more you get into porn and the more your porn be- goes from soft porn to harder porn, you literally need more to have a reaction. So whereas the first, you know, few times you watch porn and it's, oh, it's so soft and it's, you know, like everything is so pretty, well, down the line, that doesn't do it for you. It doesn't cut it for you. And it affects, let me tell you something, couples who think that porn is great for their sex life, I don't buy it. Because when you use porn to masturbate or you use porn to have an orgasm, and you turn around and you have a partner, it becomes very difficult to orgasm only with your partner because the stimulus is not enough. You need more. You need that, that mental trigger. So what do, what do you do? You start to fantasize or you, you think back to what you've watched to help you have that orgasm it's a destroyer of relationships i uh, you, we talked about this quickly when, before we started uh, on the podcast here today but i have a podcast as well and i happened to interview a couple who dealt with this very situation of one of them being addicted to porn and and how it affected their relationship And what they needed to do to overcome. And I've talked to other couples as well about it and it does destroy their intimacy because you need this third party to give you, to help you have a satisfaction that should really be between the two of you, you know, Mm -hmm. and that intimate moment. You've lost that intimacy because you need all of this external noise to help you achieve what should have been so natural to achieve.
0: (laughs) Do you think it applies the same if the porn is the couple?
1: What do you mean by the porn is the couple if both of them are watching?
0: No, if they're not watching other people, but like say they were in two different States and they had zoom sex or like hmm.
1: that kind of stuff. That was just a random know about that I mean I that's one thing I I guess I never really thought about but how is that but you know just thinking about it now how is that really an intimacy between two people I understand if you're you're a married couple or you're you're a couple of long you know many years and you already have known each other in a (laughs) city, I didn't mean it in the biblical sense, only, (laughs) but really have known each other in the biblical sense. And, you know, just having a relationship, and you happen to go to work in another city, and you know, you you want some of that fun, sexual energy, I think that works well. But again, you've built a relationship with each other, you know, each other well. But I think if two random people meet each other and have internet sex how is that an intimacy i i still believe that two strangers meeting they're both needing to deal with issues that they have whatever it is there's something there that two complete strangers can come together have a one-nighter and walk away and feel fulfilled i don't buy it i don't buy it anymore I, don't I used buy to either. buy into that. Yeah, I used to buy into it. You know all the movies and the things that we have that Hollywood gives us. I don't buy it anymore. I don't believe in that one night stand anymore. There is no fulfillment. It's just an animal, uh reaction that we have to each other, and we walk away. We're not happier. We're it just it just it took care of the itch.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I got married, my ex husband's wonderful, by the way. Um, but when I got married, I remember the thought, oh, sorry, Davey, if you hear this, <laughs> I remember the thought of like, you sleep with different people. It's kind of like shopping. Like I think of dating mm-hmm. and sex as shopping when you're doing it in that way, but it, one night stands are just the same over and over. Right. Like, yep the, the theme, because the connection connection, like it wasn't yes. until my last partner that I actually even understood it on the level, you know, like I, I understand how sex can be spiritual now. Like I never, understood yeah. that, and I don't know if that's an old age thing. I don't know if it's a recovery thing. I don't mm-hmm. know what that is, but I finally figured out that piece, which is another reason why I haven't slept with anybody. Cause I'm scared. It'll never be that good again. Yeah. It's going to take, you know, a, a special person. But I remember thinking like, I might as well get married if it's going to be the same thing over and over again, no matter who Mm. you're with. Like, I remember having a conscious thought about that.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that goes back to how we are raised, and you know this this idea that we're given that you need to get married to have sex and have you know and and be allowed. So then society becomes very promiscuous, right? You know, white night stands. I like how can you marry someone? How do you know that you're sexually compatible? Now we're going on an, a different tangent, but I think it's an important one, you know, because we hear young people say, "I'm not going to marry the first guy I sleep with." Well, I'm sorry men we' all built the same way. Women have the same components men have the same same components and how is this un stranger okay, so this is my my philosophy now. How is a total stranger that you meet going to fulfill your desires when he doesn't know you right how so how do you know so you sleep with twenty men? What do you do then? Go back and go, "Okay, let me see. John Doe A did this, <laughs> so he's great." No. The, intimacy comes with building this amazing relationship with each other. Getting to know what 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 things enti- you know tickle you. What things make you excited you know what intellectually what what that person enjoys and working with each other that's what it is I I didn't understand that until I was no longer in that right because when you meet someone you get to know the person at an intellectual level at an emotional level and as a physical level Couples that are together for many years who work on their relationship, whether it's physical, emotional or mental, have an awesome sex life. Why? Because they know the buttons to push. Yeah. They know, they know that a hand right behind the ear will set you off right? Or stroking your brow or taking the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it, Ruth. You know, I mean, come on, you know, let's, let's push back against what society and Hollywood and movies tell us for once in our life. Let's stop and think for ourselves and be honest with ourselves. You don't have to tell me what you think. Be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, Think about what is it that really gets you going. And you're not going to find it in a total stranger. You have to build that. Um, you know, think about your close girlfriend, you know, your best friend. How do you guys have such a great time? I know how I have a great time with my best friends or my kids. It's because we have a relationship. We know how to feed off each other. What jokes to say, what to do. Well, it's the same thing with your sexual partner. Right. you know that makes sense yeah Ruth I would like I would like to
0: talk about a little bit of the toughness right so if, mm. if there's somebody in the audience that's in this place um whether it's the one night stands or it's the porn or yeah. it's a combination um like like I still like I don't like seeing boobs on a TV when there's people. Mm kind of thing. Like I'm very shy about that. Right. Um, so I can't imagine like if I was a porn addict, I couldn't tell anybody. I, I couldn't imagine huh. how to tell people or how to get to that point. So can we right. talk about that? So if there's someone struggling, um, and I'm also curious, it sounds like you said you did your faith only. So, so that was like your, that was your shift. Like you had an honest moment and that was your shift. Um, but any advice for a woman who might be struggling with this? And I mean, yeah. I would really want to say before you even respond, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Like the reason these things happen, some things aren't even in our control, our belief yeah. systems, the information we have, our subconscious, yeah. like all the things. Um, so there's no faults. There's no shame. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be. But how, how would you encourage them to raise their hand or, or what, would you, what would you say to them?
1: First of all, you're not alone. Just because we don't talk about it and we've never addressed the fact that women can be addicted to sex or to porn does not mean that no one else has that issue. I guarantee you there are people around you that have it. Now, it's not to say you're going to go around and ask people. If you don't know who to, if you have no one in your circle that you trust with this secret, I strongly recommend finding a therapist that knows how to deal with this. There are therapists out there. Now I didn't do it. First, I couldn't afford it at the time. Secondly, I was too ashamed of this, this nature of things because You know, who, who's addicted? Like, what are people going to think? Let me tell you, every thought that you could possibly think in shame, I've had it. You know, I'm a mother of three children. I'm the daughter of a pastor. I have a standing. I'm this. I'm that. I, oh my goodness. The shame that I have lived with is unbelievable. And really, I think that In God's wisdom, this book came out when it did, because I still wouldn't be talking about it. Even though I had been at that point, maybe five or six years sober on my own, it was still a secret Mm. because I was so ashamed. I don't go around telling people that I meet, oh, you know, I'm eight years sober. I was a sex and porn addict.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm now not laughing at the concept. I'm yeah, laughing yeah, at the yeah,
1: way yeah, you're... Yeah, yeah. Like, like, don't worry about it. I, I laugh at myself. No, I don't. But, but I also know that I need to put my story out there to encourage anyone, woman, okay? Let, let's say women, that women, girls, young teenage girls are addicted to sex and to porn. We need to reach those girls and help them. Girls in their 20s, society telling them, go out, have sex, do this. We're not even talking about the risks we're taking with STDs. We're not taking, we're not talking about the risks we take with being killed and found in a hospital, in a hotel bed somewhere. We're not even talking about that today. We're just talking about all the other, there's so many things in this addiction. We are taking so many risks when we do it. So I say, if you are at the point that you know you need to stop, right? Because you can't tell an addict they need to be sober unless they're ready to make that change, right? You know that. I know that. So I always encourage families, if you know your 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 child or your wife or your husband has an issue, you can't push the point. You can make it easy for them to come to you and talk to you about it or make it easy enough for them to to start that journey. But really find a therapist, find a group, find someone that you can talk with. Because the first time that you say I'm addicted to sex is your first step to sobriety on that. It, it It's one step at a time, one day at a time one thought at a time and don't berate yourself. If you fall, get back up. It's, it's not an all or nothing situation and do that. Now, some people, you know, need to have, uh, you know, need to have really, you know, strict parameters to help them and need therapists and all kinds of whatever. In my case, I I was very fortunate in that my faith-based recovery was a, an awesome one for me. And I, I was able to do that. There's different ways. If If you are a man or a woman of faith, go to your church. Find the right people. Not everybody's going to understand you. Trust me, just because they're Christians. You know, go to that. If you are not faith-based. You know, find something out there. There's so many, there's, there's an organization that right off the top of my head is pure desires, org, And they have all kinds of groups online. If you're too shy, too scared to meet people in person, join a group, join one of these groups where you can talk about what you're struggling with. Just start, take that first step.
0: Love it. Ruth, is there anything that you know we didn't touch on that we might want to? That I didn't ask. Um, is is there anything that comes to mind for you?
1: I would just say to parents out there, or anyone that has young children in their lives, in the twenty first century, in this day and age of technology. Watch what your children are listening to and are being exposed to. We're very naive or we think that kids can deal with it. No, because more often than not, when you talk to a sex addict or porn addict, it's because they were introduced to it at a very, very young age. And, and, and the adults around them were not involved enough in their lives to be able to deal with it and to be able to pick it out. So I would just say be very cognizant of what your children or your nieces and nephews or grandchildren are watching. You're a teacher. Be aware of what the kids are being exposed to. Help them out. They you know they don't need to re- ruin their childhood. You can't you can't get back your innocence. You cannot. You know, I've heard 20 year olds, you know, 21 year olds, 22 year olds say, you know, for seven years, I've been addicted to porn. I can't go without masturbating seven times a day or six times a day. They haven't lived a childhood. They haven't had that innocent childhood. So, you know, be cognizant of what you're putting out there for your children or exposing your children to.
0: And Ruth, what is your the name of your podcast? Do you mind sharing it? You're a wonderful speaker. Yes. And um Ma- I, I love that you're so
1: vulnerable and transparent. I really do appreciate that. Oh, thank you. My podcast is called Out of the Darkness with Ruth Hofsepien. So you and just Google my name, Ruth Hofsepion, and you can find my podcast that way and you know, whatever else, you know, where I talk or, you know, my calendar. There's all kinds of information out there.
0: Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here.
1: Um,
0: I really appreciate it. I've learned some things, that's for sure. Um, I gotta get rid of this feeling. Like when I talk about sex out loud, like yeah. um like it, it's just insane. So it it's yeah. This was helpful and
1: a little therapeutic to me in my womanhood. So I appreciate you for that. (laughs) Well, thank you for the opportunity to to share. And if we can reach just one person today and help them, you know, uh, on their road to recovery, then it's been my pleasure.